Loyalist College, they have their own marketing people. Uh, they had just done a visual rebrand. So it was the perfect time for a Sonic, not even rebrand. They never had any kind of Sonic strategy. So um, that was very exciting. And they had this new young marketing team too. And they were really receptive to new ideas. And uh, they had this agency on board uh, that had done their visual rebrand and their overall rebrand uh, and they were great to work with too so it was a longer process and it was more involved but uh, it was just it was all the right people on board so it did go very smoothly even though it took a bit longer mm-hmm. whereas that uh, real estate agent uh, that was also a great experience but it was just a completely different thing because I realized I'm not really branding a business I'm branding a person Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. Sound plays a more important role in human behavior and our decision-making than you may realize. In this podcast, I'll help you understand the art and science of sound so you can better influence others in business and your life. I'm your host, Jody Krangle. Let's delve a little deeper. Here's the first part of my conversation with John Sanfilippo. My next guest spent time as a child playing radio with tape recorders. In his teens, he started playing music. In his 20s, he got into media and advertising. Then in his 30s, he finally found a way to put them all together. In 2012, he founded what is now known as Soundwise, an audio branding and production agency based in Kingston, Ontario. Since then, he's worked with businesses big and small to bring their brand into the realm of sound. The mission of Soundwise is to produce a sonic identity that is so distinct and so consistent that it could not only work without visuals, but without words. He knows that the right sound starts with the right vision. His name is John Sanfilippo, and he'll have a lot to say about the current state of branding with sound and how it's changed over the years and what the future might hold. You won't want to miss this. As always, if you have questions for my guest, you're welcome to reach out through the links in the show notes. If you have questions for me, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com, where you'll find a lot of ways to get in touch. You can also join regular Clubhouse chats in the Power of Sound house at 2 p.m. Eastern every Wednesday. Plus, subscribing to the newsletter will let you know when the new podcasts are available and what the newest Clubhouse rooms will be about. And if you're getting some value from listening, the best ways to show your support are to share this podcast with a friend and leave an honest review. Both those things really help, and I'd love to feature your review on future podcasts. You can leave one either in written or in voice format from the podcast's main page. I would so appreciate that. And now, here's my conversation with John Sanfilippo. Welcome, welcome, John. I'm really glad that you decided to join me, and uh, I'm looking forward to the conversation. <laughs> me too. Thank you, Jody. I was excited when you asked me to to talk with you, and I have to say I was like slightly intimidated because normally Why? when I talk on podcasts and webinars, uh, I'm sort of the novelty being the audio branding person because I'm usually talking to you know businesses and other marketing people, but since you do sonic branding i when i first was invited i thought oh i'm not as cool anymore <laughs> so <laughs> no, i'm gonna have actually, to think of something really interesting to say yeah well i would hope that you would do that anyway <laughs> well i usually <laughs> but... <laughs> do but again you, you've talked to some some 
pretty pretty awesome people I, I i know a lot of those people too so i'm sure they had some great things to say and and some of them i've listened to myself so yeah they did have a lot of really great things to say yes but i am not a sonic brander that's not what i do what i do is voiceover that's all mm -hmm. i do i just talk to lots of experts like you <laughs> well i appreciate that i we appreciate that <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to know what was going on with this whole audio branding thing, because the voiceover community contributes to that. So, well, yeah, there's so much crossover. And I'm always commenting on voiceover because I do voiceover myself. But that mm -hmm. was part of how I got started. Yeah. And uh, and you can't have you can't talk about sonic branding without talking about voiceover. It's it's crucial. Like for me, it's it's that that sort of trifecta of music voice and sound and oh yeah yeah they're inseparable yeah yeah i i think that um a lot of people might like to say otherwise <laughs> but uh but i i would agree with that assessment yes uh yeah. but when we're getting started in this kind of an interview i always like to ask people that that one question that that seems to get some really interesting stories so i'm hoping you might have one for us too do you have an early memory of how sound moved you yeah it would have to be a musical memory of course i of think course. if it was just sound i think the earliest would probably just be like the lightsabers on star wars they were just so cool it's like where oh, yeah, did that you and come from yeah <laughs> it was just you could feel that sound it had this interesting tactile sort of quality to it and that's something i'm always talking about uh with other uh w with clients and with other sonic branding experts is that um that that tactile component to sound and i think that was something that we kind of lost during covid because with music you know we had all these kind of live stream concerts people were doing these very minimalist online kind of musical performances which was great to kind of get people together even if it wasn't physically together and to just keep the spirit of music alive but of course the sound quality is not going to be nearly as good as when you're in that room it's not going to sound as full but something that i realized i was missing was that that physical component of music you know even something just as simple as that kick drum hitting you in the chest and 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 that sort of thing and that was sort of confirmed to me recently i had a really interesting conversation so we have st lawrence college here in kingston and they have their music and digital media course and someone mentioned that they had a deaf editor and i was like how does that work <laughs> what, what what is that i need to talk to this person and she isn't yeah yeah, she isn't completely deaf, but she has these cochlear implants and they help her to hear. Um, mm -hmm. But without them, she's completely deaf. And we had this conversation about the tactile component of sound and, and she understood all this stuff. I was like, yes, somebody gets it. And I got really excited. Like I was telling a story about how uh, when I was working in radio back in the day, there was this one fellow I used to work with and he had, he, he'd been smoking since birth, basically. So you can imagine the kind of voice he had and he was well into his sixties. And, uh, and it was kind of a, a double-edged sword because he, he did have that very deep, very resonant voice, but you know, I had him read scripts and he couldn't get through like a sentence or two without getting winded. But oh, no. I remember we had a meeting and we're sitting there and he was talking and I just had my hand on the table casually and I realized I can feel his voice in the table 
is anyone else noticing this? <laughs> and I just thought wow. that was just so super cool. Yeah. Um, that's a complete aside to what you're asking. But yeah, early <laughs> sound experiences. And musically, I think I, I have to go back to Michael Jackson's Thriller because oh. I was very young when that came out. And that was the first music, Beat It especially, uh, the first music I remember like getting really excited for. And I remember there was a, a close friend of my mom's and, and she was it was more like an aunt nephew kind of relationship. And she had this this fancy sports car at the time and she would put in the Thriller tape and we'd go for drives and I would just wait for Beat It to come on and I would just lose my mind. It was so exciting. I love it. Yeah, that's a really iconic album there. Definitely. <laughs> well, it, and it just got better the older I got, too, because as you mm -hmm. get older and, you know, I'm a singer as well. I know you're a singer. Mm -hmm. And when you the more you learn about singing, the more you appreciate great singers and you, you listen to him on that track and it's like, he's just killing it. Where is this coming from? And then I found out that was Eddie Van Halen playing the guitar solo. And it's like, yes, there is. I was meant to love this song. It's, it's just, <laughs> yes. It was great. It was a rock song. It was a pop song. The vocals were amazing. The guitar was mm -hmm. amazing. It was just, yeah, everything about it was great. And I and still then, love it today. And of course, he takes it to the next level with the dancing. And then, yeah, like, it's just crazy. Yeah. Tra Weird crazy thing time. I only recently became aware of. So, you know, the, the in the music video, he's dancing in the pool hall. Mm -hmm. It was just recently brought to my attention that the pool tables don't have holes. Really? Why yeah. is that? I I don't know. I don't know if they were like just like weird prop tables that somebody made and forgot to put holes in them. I I don't know what it is, but it's the weirdest thing. I saw like a meme saying that. I was like, that can't be true. This is fake. And I watched the video. I was like, no, there's no holes in these pool tables. But interesting. Maybe it was a metaphor. I don't think so. No. <laughs> I think somebody just screwed up and they thought no, okay. no one's going to notice, and and nobody did for about forty years. So you know, yeah. mission accomplished. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, that's really an interesting fact that I did not know before we had this conversation. You're going to watch so that you. after we talk. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so how did you end up getting into the sound audio branding aspect of all this? Because I know you came from it from a music aspect, correct? Well, it was really a confluence of a lot of different things. And I think it really been growing over the course of my whole life. So, you know, first there were lightsabers and Michael Jackson. And and when I was Very a little valid start. Older, yeah, yeah. When I was about <laughs> like nine years old, somebody finally got me a tape recorder for Christmas. So I had great time with that. I'd like play radio and stuff and do little skits and things. I still have the tapes, too. And... um then when I was in my teens, I started playing music, I started playing guitar, I started singing, and in my 20s, I went to radio school, so I got into broadcasting, that was the bulk of my 20s, and then in my 30s, I sort of finally kind of found a way to put it all together, uh, because my in, when I was working in radio, I was working for the military, and they had this radio station broadcasting into Afghanistan from the base in Kingston, which was really, really neat, a really cool job to have. But that was always meant to be a transitory thing. And it closed in 2011. So when I was 
out of the job. It just seemed like as good a time, good a time as any to do my own thing. So, and I'd been sort of leaning toward that. I've been sort of building to that for a while. So it was a pretty natural transition. But uh, originally I was just going to do like broadcast products, essentially like commercials and PSAs and things like that. The stuff that I'd already been doing because I'd worked as a producer for the previous 10 years. But, um, it's it's interesting in this market i didn't seem to have any competition in the city because there were other studios but they were focusing on musicians and music so for me both as someone who had experience in broadcasting and advertising and marketing and also this musical background there was a real opportunity to sort of put all those things together finally and and do something a little more interesting with them so it just it took a while and it's a lot of it's like any other business it's a lot of experimentation you know you're new at it you don't know what you're doing you're trying different things you're working with different people you're sort of seeing what's going to work what sticks what excites you the most and yeah it just very gradually grew into sonic branding or audio branding whatever you want to call it Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, the podcast is called audio branding, but I know a lot of people call it sonic branding or it I, really I just call it whatever feels right in the moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I've asked that definition of a bunch of different people and they've all given me different answers. <laughs> yeah. Well, they all say they're interchangeable, but they don't really say why they use one or the other. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's a just, mystery. I, I think it's because the industry, the industry is very interesting right now because there's so many people doing it but there isn't anybody necessarily flying the plane you know there isn't like one sort of authority figure yeah. saying this is how it is now which i think is probably a good thing but the maybe one of the disadvantages is nobody knows what to call this thing right now but you know yeah. that'll probably just kind of figure itself out in the coming years especially yeah. as the industry grows and and becomes more more top of mind in uh, the broader marketing world in general Sure. There's a lot going on and there's hopefully a lot more innovation to come. So it should be a really interesting next few years. I know the last five years have been super interesting when it comes absolutely. to all of this. No, yeah, absolutely. It's changed a I, lot. Yeah. No, and I've been so uh, grateful to be a part of it too and, and to be able to grow with the industry. Like I, I rebranded mm -hmm. earlier this year and that was just yeah. really a reflection of everything else that had been going on at the time because my previous brand just didn't really fit what I was doing anymore. It had just sort of matured into this new thing. And mm -hmm. and even something as simple as like my Sonic logo at the time, uh, which was cool when I made it like eight years ago, but <laughs> but flash forward to today and all the things that I'm preaching about sonic logos and best practices are contradicted by my own sonic logo that i made eight years ago <laughs> so yeah there needed to be a, a complete rebrand both visually and sonically yeah well i do really like your rebrand and and i i particularly like this sort of musical hoot at the end <laughs> yeah well we're actually working on an animation uh version where we're going to finally Ooh. combine the audio and the visual uh, i'm very excited about putting that together because it's it's great to have both especially when they're built from the same principles and attributes but sure. i feel like putting them together like having that um that that synergy is going to make them more than the sum of their parts and i think they're going to both going to make more sense together than they would separately because like i know what the brand is 
but we need to express that a little bit better. And I think it's pretty good the way it is, but I think there's, there's more room for definition. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Quick question. Do you know anyone else who could benefit from hearing more about how powerful sound can be? If so, would you mind sharing this podcast with them? It would mean so much to me. Now I'll stop interrupting and let you get back to the show. So I, I'm curious then, because you've done this whole process for your own brand, which obviously you know very intimately, but what would the reasoning be behind the things that you decided to do with your own Sonic brand? Yeah, well, it's, um, so what I did, I basically put myself through my own process, okay. which is really hard to do. <laughs> it's very <laughs> hard to do. And any business owner, uh, I think, knows that there are two points of view on your business. There's the way you see your business and there's the way the rest of the world sees your business. It is so hard to objectify your own business and take yourself outside of it, especially if you are the owner and you're just so close to it and you're so tied to it. And sometimes it's hard to, to sometimes let things go, especially putting the visual component together. Cause I explained to the designers, okay, this is where I am. This is what I want to do have at it and something comes back and you have to be receptive to it because I'm not a visual person and especially not professionally. So it comes back and you're sort of like, Oh, okay. And you have to sort of sit on it for a while and let it grow on you. And then eventually you're like, no, this is, this is good. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> but, um, for the Sonic component and the visual component as well, like what I've, my approach to it, basically from the start has been uh you know with sonic branding and with sound in general um people don't always grasp sounds the way they do visuals so i know i knew i wanted a strong visual component something you know rather striking and something interesting and something with some personality and i knew i didn't want like a lot of sound companies will use waveforms or speakers or things like that, uh, which are fine, but they don't have any emotional content and they don't stand out. Like to me, it's, it's almost like a barber pole where it tells you sure. the industry, but you can't take any ownership of it. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, from the start, and again, even 10 years ago, so on my logo, I, you probably can't see this in a podcast but uh no, my but logo has could, this we could let them hear when you know when we release this we could let them hear it <laughs> yes absolutely yeah yeah but the visual component the main icon is this owl figure and it, it i just kind of liked it it just to me it had a really good mix of the uh the sort of serious business side of things that you want and i always wanted that but it's always juxtaposed with this creative, whimsical, quirky kind of thing as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's always been my process, even from the start. It's like, let's let's figure out, let's do the, you know, the serious stuff. Let's figure out who we are and what we're all about and how we want to present ourselves. And then we can have some fun with it. Because <laughs> I find a lot of businesses, uh, especially companies that produce jingles exclusively, they'll go straight to the fun part. Uh, and I find when you do that, you don't get a product 
that really suits the brand. It's really just expressing the composer more than it is the brand. Uh, and there are even some companies that will have like a, um, like a library of compositions that they've compiled and they'll just kind of shoehorn your name into that composition. Sure. And I had a conversation with a, with an account rep for one of the radio stations last year. And he was talking to a car dealer that uh, he works with and the car dealer was all excited. He said, uh, Oh, you, you got to hear my new jingle. And, and he started playing it for him. And this account rep about three seconds in started singing along and the car dealer says, how'd, how'd you do that? That's our new jingle. And he says, no, that was used by so-and-so in Peterborough about 20 years ago. <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that Cheers episode when they tried to do a jingle for the bar. <laughs> no, no, I never saw that one. I'd love to see that. Anyone who's listening, they need to go and, and see if they can watch that episode because it's really funny. It's basically this guy saying the same, like playing the same thing on the piano that he was playing for everybody else and just slapping their name in it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, I'll have yeah, to check yeah. that out. Yeah, I'd love to see yeah, that. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I'm showing my age. <laughs> I've seen but, Cheers, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but as far as your own audio brand is concerned, so how did you go about figuring out what sounds you wanted to use in that logo or your entire brand? Yeah. So again, the first thing I did, and again, I was putting myself through my own process. Do you want to talk about that process a little? <laughs> you yeah, don't have to give I'll... details, but yeah. So the first thing we, we generally do is what I like to call the audio audit. So we look at the brand's media, its touch points, its environments, all those places where sound um, can be exploited in some way, where we can put our signature on it. Uh, and, and then based on, cause you know, most people have a lot more than they think, like, unless your media is limited to a website, a billboard and some print, you've got audio and usually a lot more than you think. So first it gives us an idea of the breadth of material that we're working with. And then we go into essentially the brand audit. So this is where we get to that the guts of the brand. We, we look at, you know, what is it all about? You know, what is its function? How does it make people feel? What is its history? What is its future? How does it make the world a better place? So we want to put a really fine point on and really getting to that emotional core of the brand. And it's an interesting process, both for me and the client, because I always say that quite often, not always, but often visuals convey information, but sounds convey emotion. And I find a lot of the time when you're having these conversations, you're taking the client to new places and getting them to think about things that they've never really considered before. So it's interesting. an interesting process. Sometimes it takes a little mm -hmm. while to kind of get to the, that point, but uh, it's you get some great discussions and it's really interesting depending on who you're talking to, because some people have never thought about this stuff before, but then you get some business owners and sometimes you're even talking to the founder. If you're talking to the founder, you're in a good place because they are more emotionally connected to it than anybody. And I've mm -hmm. worked with some clients who you don't have to do very much digging that way. They can speak very uh, passionately and very specifically about what they're 
business is all about. That makes my job a lot easier. So once we do that, we might identify maybe three to five core traits or attributes with which we can build the business or build that brand. And then we'll start composing an audio style guide. So we'll go over the the do's and don'ts of things like instrumentation and timbre and pace and genre and stuff like that. We put some very fine points on the voice as well. We talked about the voice voice earlier, you know, like, is it a young voice? Is it old? Is it, you know, authoritative? Is it effervescent? Is it, you know, there's so many different um, points Lots of articulation of yeah. For, yeah. for a voice. And, I, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but even things like I've been trying to get my clients to think even a little bit deeper, you know, things like dialect and, um, and even keywords, like, are there some words that, cause, yeah, cause I do want to get into the writing style a little more. And we have been talking about that as well. But, um, sure. when you talk about keywords, things like, like, if you look at Disney, everything's magic, 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 right? Uh, does this, does our business have something that we can, uh, a word that we can own, not own exactly, but something that is going to be familiar within our, our advertising and our marketing. Uh, and then, yeah, once we've got those guidelines in place, then we'll start producing assets. So that might be seeking out a brand voice. Or brand voices, who knows? It's going to be composing an audio logo or a jingle or a full brand anthem, just uh, musical pieces. Or it could be, um, you know, some businesses have uh, product sounds, and those are really interesting to work with. Is there a way we can incorporate that either musically or just sonically somewhere? And, and the example I always use is Rice Krispies. Rice Krispies is a boring, boring cereal, but somebody <laughs> discovered that it made a noise and that has sustained them for nearly a hundred years now. If they didn't figure that out, I'm sure Rice Krispies would have disappeared in the forties sometime. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so then once we, uh, have produced all these assets, then it's really just, um, applying them. It's just getting them out there to all those touch points, media and environments that we uh, that we discussed. Mm -hmm. So going way back to <laughs> uh, to my own brand. So I, I tried to identify what are some of the core traits of sound wise that we want to express. And it was really I, I sort of touched on it earlier. It really became that balance of again that sort of serious business side and then the creative fun side and, and putting them together and so how do we express that sonically so the serious side i decided to use uh, like orchestral instruments so when you listen to it and i'm assuming you'll probably play it in the podcast uh, mm -hmm. When you listen to it, you'll hear uh, some cello, which I like. It's just a very strong sound. It's very, very regal. It's very powerful, and it's got it's kind of serious. Uh, there's a, a little bit of a French horn in there as well, uh, but then it quickly morphs into a little bit of silliness because there's this marimba that kind of transitions into that hoot of the owl, and I just okay. love that sound and. 
a little sort of side note about the owl. I decided when I was rebranding, okay, I'm not going to use a stock owl. I'm going to get a real owl sound. I'm going to go out and record an owl. And uh, outside Kingston, we have um, Amherst Island. And I found that there was a there was a tour guide there, and he would take you to look at owls and look at all these these fun creatures on the island. And I got in t contact with him, and I explained to him what I wanted to do. And he basically told me, you could go out in the woods for about 100 years and not find exactly the... <laughs> the sound that you want so i was like okay he yeah has maybe a we'll, point <laughs> yeah maybe maybe i don't want to be out there forever freezing my butt <laughs> off so i did have to eventually use a stock sound but i i really like that stock sound that we we got because it's a bit silly and, and even melodically uh it represents kind of the journey that i just described because it kind of ascends uh, there's like a little bit of a descend, but it keeps ascending and then it resolves. And th that sort of mirrors, that's intended to mirror the, that process that I just uh, described. So when you get to that resolution, it's that midpoint, we're there, and there's this fun thing that happens at the end. I love it. And, and actually, I think it's very effective. So yeah, well done. Thank you. <laughs> Do you want to sound your absolute best when you're being interviewed on a podcast or when you're hosting your own show? I have a podcast episode and free downloadable worksheet called Sounding Your Best as a Podcast Guest off of the audiobrandingpodcast.com main page. Just click on the little square graphic to the left of the player displaying my podcast trailer. It gives you some comprehensive suggestions for where to start or for improving the sound you already have including the type of microphones to consider and why, ideas for soundproofing your recording environment, and suggestions on how to get the best sound when you're being remotely recorded on services like Riverside FM or Squadcast. Don't let bad audio quality hold you back from being the best podcast guest or host you can be. And of course, if you happen to need voiceover for your intro and outro, feel free to get in touch. I'm happy to help. And now, back to the podcast. What do you think is the difference between doing an audio brand for a small company and a large company then? Because it sounds like you go into a lot of detail with all of this, but there must be a more, let's say, arduous journey when it comes to a larger company. Is that is that true or not necessarily? It really depends on the company. And I, I've, as you pointed out, yeah, I've done work with smaller businesses and with larger businesses. Like I, for example, last year, I did both a real estate agent and a loyalist college. Uh, so, I mean, that's pretty big juxtaposition, like, you know, this huge institution and then one person. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's interesting because it's the same process, but you're working with different people. And uh, they were both really good experiences for completely different reasons. Like loyalist college, they have their own marketing people. Uh, they had just done a visual rebrand. So it was the perfect time for a Sonic, not even rebrand. They'd never had any kind of Sonic strategy. So, um, that was very exciting. And they had this new young marketing team too, and they were really receptive to new ideas um yeah they were it's always nice when they're on board <laughs> yes yes it's it's great when everything just clicks and everybody's working together and uh, they had this agency on board uh that had done their visual rebrand and their 
overall rebrand uh, and they were great to work with too so it was a longer process and it was more involved but uh it was just it was all the right people on board so it did go very smoothly even though it took a bit longer mm-hmm. whereas that uh, real estate agent uh that was also a great experience but it was just a completely different thing because i realized i'm not really branding a business i'm branding a person Oh, and, true. Yeah. yeah. So it was really, it wasn't so much, we did talk about business and about her industry specifically, but it was really, I realized pretty early on, it was really just getting to know her, her personality, mm-hmm. because that's, if you're buying a house, that's who you're dealing with. That's, you know, that's the face, that's the whole emotional core of the experience. So it was really branding her and, um, and the neat thing about this business, as everybody knows, is you're not limited by geography, which is great. Mm-hmm. You know, you can theoretically work for anybody in the world. But I do like being able to have a, a, some sort of physical presence and, and being able to work with people directly if I can. And this was a great example because working with her and, and we had all these Zoom chats, uh, which were great. And we... we just chatted, you know, very casually. And I got to get a sense of who she was and what her overall vibe was. And I was like, I think I know where this is going, but I need something else. I need something to sort of take it, give it that push off that creative edge, right? Just, just over that, that hump, whatever that was. So I, I sort of tricked her a little bit. Um, I said, why don't you come in sometime? Like she's in Belleville. And I said, mm-hmm. do you ever get to Kingston? Cause for those who don't know, Belleville is about an hour away from Kingston. So people come back and forth all the time, uh, especially, uh, to Costco. I found out through this experience that the people in Belleville are the ones who are clogging up the Kingston Costco. So now, I, you know, <laughs> yeah. So I have a little bit of a grudge with them now. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody get those people their own Costco. But um, where was I going with this? So I said to her, uh, do you ever get to Kingston? Maybe we can do like a sample commercial together because we had a script, uh, but it was always intended for a voiceover person. But I was like, let's let's, you know, if she's representing the brand, let's try her on a recording and see if she see if her personality comes across, see if she's got that presence. And sometimes it works out. You know, I've done lots of client commercials before. Some of them are really bad, (laughs) Uh, but sometimes they're really good. Sometimes you just get lucky and someone ends up being a really good spokesperson for either their business or in this case for themselves. So I was genuinely interested in trying that, but the, the it was kind of a pretext for just let's get her in here and and get a better sense, an in-person sense of her personality. And we did it and it worked really well. And we we had a conversation and then she left. And as soon as she left, I had the melody. It was there. It's like, okay, there's no second guessing anymore. That's the melody. That's exactly it. And we're in business. That one was fun too, because her tagline her name's uh, Kelly Boudelier, and her the tagline that they had come up with was Kelly B turns keys. And I thought, okay, how can we work with this? And I, I knew I didn't want to do a jingle. I just thought that that phrase worked well spoken, but I just worried it would be kind of cheesy sung. It just, I couldn't come up with anything that felt good 
long term. So I thought, okay, no, Sonic logo is definitely the way to go. So once I had that melody, uh, I thought, okay, we can incorporate some non-musical elements. So when you'll hear it, you'll notice the melody is accented by some key and door sounds. So you get that melody, but you also get um, that that texture that that sort of helps the attribution and and that's the something i've been really focusing on these days too is uh there are so many more sonic brands out there but i find a lot of them are starting to sound the same because when you think just melody uh and i'm a huge fan of melodies but you need a distinctive timbre sometimes to mm -hmm. really uh just hammer home that that attribution and, and making it distinctive because if all the sonic logos are just melodies like how many notes are in the average sonic logo maybe four we've got 12 notes you know it's 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 tough so how do you differentiate differentiate yourself further well you can do that with interesting timbres and textures so that's kind of where my brain goes these days with these things have you done any more of those with with interesting like noise sounds uh yeah when it's appropriate i'm trying to think of another example um there was a car dealership where we incorporated a car horn honking with the music because there was like a uh, okay there were like these, there was a little break between the words and there's just a uh, uh, between there and it, it kind of made it catchier and just you know again just it wasn't just music anymore there was something that tied it to the industry that just again made it a little more distinctive and, and a little catchier yeah this has been part one of our interview i hope you'll tune in next week for part two well that's the end of this episode thanks for listening and if you like what you heard why not tell a friend about this podcast it's available in all the usual locations until next time <laughs>